Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Avatar, the podcast. Comic edition. Comic edition. That's right. We're diving right back into the comics. I'm Booster Greg. My voice is 1000% better right now. It is astonishing. I thought I would never be able to talk ever again. <laughs> the only trade-off is I'm a little sniffly, so we're going to oh, try no. to keep things clear. No. But if you hear me sniffing, sorry. That's why. Yes. I've been having like minor little coughs at night every five to 10 minutes, but like, whew, I feel well rested. I can talk if anyone watched my streams over the past week or two, you would have heard me like I was doing a deep voice without needing to do a deep voice. <laughs> it was, it was I am, not I great. Imagine. It was not great. And at one point in stream, I think I ended it a little earlier than I wanted to because I was just dying slowly. But anyways, thank you everyone who uh, came back and allowed us to take a little extra time off just so we could heal up and get things ready and get going because like I would have hate to have died in a coughing fit while recording and that would have been it. <laughs> that would have been it. Like our very first Angmail episode yeah. where you oh, nearly no. did. Yes, but that was just because like I, I was drinking something and went down the wrong tube. I think that was. Yeah. This was just yeah. like a prolonged, everyone who talked to me was just like, you sound terrible, which, you know, makes you feel great inside. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Best yeah. compliment. Well, just in case you've forgotten, we're going to start off the episode by reading a whole bunch of five-star reviews. The first one actually comes from Canada. This one came through on December, and then we're going to jump into Great Britain for those reviews. So, Acorn, what's the first five-star review from Canada? The first review comes from Go Team Avatar, the podcast, who writes, Top Tier. I just received my Spotify review for 2021. And even before my top selections for podcasts was announced, I knew you guys dominated by a landslide. Top tier, my friends. Keep up the amazing work. Oh, thank you. I thank think, you. I think, I think Go Team Avatar, the podcast just helped me figure out what our new Ang Amazing is. Really? It's top tier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There we go. There we That's go. That's really good. That's a solid one. Thank you, Go Team Avatar the Podcast, for jogging my uh, the old pun part of my brain. I think we're going to try to use that one from now on. We'll see. We'll see. What it, you know, sometimes you force it. doesn't work. Sometimes you force it. It does. Sometimes it just mm -hmm. naturally. We'll see. The next one comes from Louis Fran, and they write, Love from Wales. I've recently finished rewatching the show and about to start the comics. Avatar the Podcast is doing an amazing job of filling the avatar-shaped hole in my life. The mix of storytelling, insight, humor, and deep diving into the details is fantastic. Please keep doing what you're doing. I enjoy tuning in each week and will continue on the journey with you all the way. Sending love from across the pond here in Wales, in the UK, Lewis. Thank you. Uh, that was, that was so nice. Thank nice. you, Lewis. Thanks. The next review comes from Jemzy78, who writes, Amazing! I was introduced to this podcast by my older sibling, Lemon Lord. And I absolutely love the podcast. I can't wait for book three and everything beyond from Apatar. Mm, Apatar. Or Apatar. Apatar. <laughs> it's so good. Lemon Lord. Wow. I, I feel like we haven't heard from Lemon Lord in a while. I hope you're doing well, friend. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for introducing Apatar to the podcast. We appreciate it. And Apatar, we hope you've been enjoying the comics and the rest of the animated series. So that's all mm -hmm. up there now. Also, top tier screen names. Top tier. Oh, oh, wow. I missed it. We had Tough the one tier. shot to make we, this we stick. We just came up with the best tagline <laughs> and I forget. Tough tier. Tough tier. Thank you. The next review comes from Frank Ast and Frank writes, the best Avatar podcast I've seen. This podcast is amazing. 
Greg and Acorn are really funny and are what I imagine a podcast made by Sokka and Suki. My favorite episode is The Storm, book one, episode 12. And I love how much detail you go into each episode. Talk about voice actors, lost lore, etc. Thank you for continuing to make the brilliant podcast. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Oh my gosh. Frank shares one of your favorite episodes, Greg. The Storm was so good. It was so good. Mm -hmm. There's so many... like. I didn't realize how much I missed the original series until now we're like a couple books into the comics. And like you sent me a TikTok of Secret Tunnel and it was like, what was it? A hamster or a guinea pig or something? Just it was a hamster, yeah. through. And I was like, I miss Chong so much. So much. I know. Mm. I was gathering up screenshots for our YouTube thumbnails. Mm-hmm. And if we have any listeners here who enjoy watching the video version of our podcast, I apologize. We are very behind yes, in posting are. episodes. So sorry. <laughs> It's been a process, but we are looking to get those the rest of them uploaded very soon. And yeah, going through some of those those episodes and pulling screenshots, I many a tear was shed. Oh, yeah. I missed it. Yeah, absolutely. It was very it was a good time. I realize there's nothing stopping us from going back and just watching it, but I think it's just a different experience when you're watching it at length like we did and you're writing about it and you're researching. It's just I don't know. It felt like school, like it felt, it felt like high school kind of, mm-hmm. you know. You know, and that yeah. now it's like it's the, the over. Time it's done. Yeah, that's what it was. All right. Next one comes yeah. from oh geez. E H D H F, or as I like to call them, EHF. <laughs> and they write, awesome podcast. I found this podcast after having watched Avatar The Last Airbender for the bajillionth time. Ah, a person who enjoys hyperbole as well, I see. Give mm. or take a couple jillion. Yep, I think that's confirms it. <laughs> they count like yeah. I count. <laughs> This is what this is. The hosts are so funny and do the recaps really well. Best podcast ever. Well, thanks, Ed Hiffish. I hope I didn't butcher (laughs) your name. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. I think your estimation is pretty accurate, right? Yeah. You know, about a bajillion bajillion, times. Bajillion, jillion, Google zillion, Google jillion. I don't know. I'm making up words of this About one. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Our next review comes from LOL X LOL equals LOL, also known as Jason, who writes from Jason in parentheses, amazing winky face. There it is. There it is. Well, what can I say? This is such an insightful podcast. I've been an Avatar fan for ages, but this has really made me think over what I thought about Avatar. My overall favorite characters in no particular order are Toph, Zuko, Uncle Iroh, Sokka and Katara. And strangely, Jet. He just appeals to me. I know he's bad and stuff. I believed he was good for so long that he stuck to me. I was sad when he died as Jet was trying to be good. Please give me a shout out. Thanks. Five stars. P.S. This is the first podcast I've ever listened to. And if all podcasts are like this, then I will be listening to a lot more. Thanks again. P.P.S. If I had a moral of the season, season two, it would be don't take the things and people you love for granted. Well, there's so much happening in that review. And I lot. love it. There's a lot. Jason, thank you so much for the review. This is your shout out. Hey, Jason. That was that was it right there. Jason. Hey, Jason, buddy. There you go. There's your shout out. Thank you so much for the five star review. Love the top five right there. Top, top five. Uh, if you say top five mm-hmm. quickly, it's top five. Top five. Top five. Yep, top five. Top, <laughs> oh, top tier. We're dissolving so quickly right now. <laughs> We're not even done with the reviews. Yeah. Thank you so much again for taking the time to write the review and everyone as well. Remember, if you want your review read right here on Avatar the Podcast. 
Wait, we have one more. I know. Oh, okay. I know. I can save that for later, but it felt like a natural segue. Oh, okay. That's fine. Do your segue then. Now it's all ruined. Okay, the next... The next and final five-star review that we're going to be reading on this episode comes from Kate Rio 97 and they write, My favorite podcast. I found this podcast after re-watching Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix, and it did not disappoint. Acorn and Greg are so passionate about the show, and it is a real joy to hear all their thoughts and opinions. I also want to take a moment. Uh, I love it. I love it. To say <laughs> I love all the puns and cannot wait until you get to Korra. Oh, thanks, Kate thank Rio. You. Kate Rio, Kate Rio, however you say your name. Thank you so much. I love my moment. Excellent pun. It's very good. We appreciate it. Now, if you're sitting here going, man, I wish I could hear Acorn and Greg read what I have to say about Avatar the podcast. Well, friends, do I have the opportunity for you? All you have to do is go to <laughs> Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star written review, and we'll read it on the show eventually. It's that easy. It's literally that easy. Because, you know, if you don't write it, what, Acorn? We can't read it. We cannot read it. It cannot be read if it's never been written because that's how the written language works. (laughs) So please. So dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, though. (laughs) So please head over to Apple Podcasts, rate an Apple ID or whatever it is they have you make, and leave us a little written review. I do want to also take a quick moment to, before I forget, to shout out all of the Spotify fans for the ratings. The, oh my God, yeah. There's no written system yet. It's only a five-star review system. so Or a five-star rating system. And we nearly have as many five-star reviews on Spotify over the past couple months, because it only came out not too long ago, mm-hmm. as we do over on the US side of the Apple Podcasts. So it's just Easy. incredible. It's it's blew me away. I feel like I looked at it one night and then I was like, all right, we'll take it easy for a couple of days. And I came back and it was 205. So thank you all so much. That is not me exaggerating the number that is as of today, the actual number. So if you want to go ahead and leave more ratings on there, we super appreciate it. We appreciate mm-hmm. everyone who took the time to, as always, leave the written review, just leave a rating, emailing us, tuning into my Twitch streams, mm-hmm. going to the Patreon. All of that good stuff. Like literally any anytime anyone interacts with us on the YouTube, how could I have almost forgotten about the YouTube? We were just talking about it. Because <laughs> we've neglected because it. Because we've neglected it pretty terribly and we feel horrible <laughs> about it. So we apologize. We will do better on that. <laughs> Everyone, thank you. And if anyone is out there wondering what happened to Toff's Metal Bending Academy, because we didn't cover it right after we covered Katara and the Pirate Silver, even though Suki Lone, Guitar and the Pirate Silver, and Toph Metal Bending Academy are all kind of considered like the same trilogy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The standalone. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't actually happen yet. So what we're going to try to do from here on out is get everything in the chronological order. We're going to cover it in the chronological order instead of the order in which it was released, if that makes any sense. So for anyone who's looking forward to Toph's Metal Bending Academy, that's actually going to be happening in between The Rift and Smoke and Shadow is when that Mm -hmm. chronologically takes place. We didn't forget about it. We will never forget about Toph, ever. Even Mm -hmm. if someone bonks us on the head, we get amnesia, Toph is still going to find a way in there. Because she's Toph Because she's Toph tier. That's right. That's exactly right. So if you're looking forward (laughs) to that, again, it will be a little bit because we have to go through the promise, the search, and the rift. And then it's Toph Beifong's Metal Bending Academy. Mm-hmm. 
But we meet some of the characters that are that's that right. here in Toph's Metal Bending Academy in this comic. That's right. And we actually, I didn't know what the order was. So I remember I was reading Toph Beifong's Metal Bending Academy. And I was like, who are these people? And then I messaged Acorn. I was like, I feel like this is, we shouldn't be reading this yet. I felt, yeah. I felt bad. I felt wrong doing it. It was like a little guilty, like, oh, get a little peek at these guys. Okay, anyways, now the moment we've all been waiting for. Or the moment. For the moment. <laughs> welcome to The Promise Part 1, or as we like to call it. The Separation of Earth and State. I love it. That's a tough tier pun right there. That is, that is a tough I mean, tier. I love it. Also, here's a tongue twister for you oh, all. Oh, no. Tough tier, tough five. Never saying that. I can't do it. It's, it can't be done. It's impossible. <laughs> top tier, top five. Top tier, top, top five. five. <laughs> she, okay, so the problem is part one. It was written by Jean Luen Yang, art and coloring by Guri Hiru, and lettering by Michael Heisler, and was published by Dark Horse Comics. We pick up basically right where we left off from the animated series. Team Avatar is meeting with Earth King Kue and decides to organize a movement with the goal of removing the Fire Nation colonies from the Earth Kingdom, trying to like restore balance to the world, right? Mm -hmm. After all, for the people of the Earth Kingdom, this occupation of the Fire Nation is a constant reminder of the 100-year war. It's essentially an old scar that will let them never forget about the horrors and the tragedies that kind of befell the Earth Kingdom during this time. Mm -hmm. While the group knows that this won't be an easy task, Aang optimistically declares that he is the Avatar and making stuff go peacefully is kind of his thing. After a bit of a back and forth, Sokka comes up with the name for the effort, the Harmony Restoration Movement. Toph asks how Sokka keeps on coming up with these goofy names, and Sokka admits, it's a gift. <laughs> uh, now, for anyone who's not really aware, the Harmony Restoration Movement took inspiration from the turbulent reform era of the late 19th and early 20th century China, including the self-strengthening and May the Fourth movements. Yang considers, mm -hmm. Yang, who's the, the author, he wrote the script for this, considered the Earth Kingdom to be in a position that was similar to that of early 1800s China after the war. Mm -hmm. So again, pulling that little Super bit from cool. history. Yeah. Afterwards, the group goes to the Jasmine Dragon before the Earth King's planned celebration, where he would announce the end of the war as well as the movement. It is here that Aang and Katara kiss for a short while before being interrupted by a quite disturbed Sokka, who does not appreciate the very public display of affection. Katara yells about Sokka knocking before entering a room, but Sokka kindly reminds his sister that they are outside, and knocking only really works when the other people are inside. He then informs Katara that as his sister, she shouldn't be kissing anyone in front of him, as it is Katara's sisterly duty to avoid giving him the oogies. The oogies. Oogies. <laughs> Before things escalate further, Aang asks what Sokka came outside for in the first place, and the young warrior tells the Avatar that they are about to head out to the celebration. Mm-hmm. And I, God, I love this. Yeah. I love that it's literally a continuation of what happened in the final episode. So for me, and especially because the comic introduces the classic show's intro where it does, you know, water and yeah. goes the whole thing. Like it felt kind of like watching a new episode. It did. Except in written form. I was really excited. And then actually like throughout the whole comic, I had that feeling of this feels like an actual episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. And I found that the reason for that is because Yang's approach to writing The Promise was kind of like in a purist sense. 
He collaborated very closely with Breik and was picking up on a lot of the themes that Breik introduced, Breik and the writing team. Yeah. So I was so thrilled with this comic after especially, you know, Suki alone was kind of okay. Yeah. And Katara and the Pirate Silver was fun, but like this felt meaty. It felt like we were actually adding to the canon. I also think, for me anyways, it's the inclusion of these, um, I don't know, inspirations from history that really that kind of like yeah. cemented it, right? Because while what we've read in the comics so far was good and even Team Avatar Tales and Lost Adventures kind of added a little bit to the mythos, we're not getting a continuation. We're not getting like this feeling of, wow, we're watching our friends again kind of go through life and, and kind of make their way through the waters as they grow into more mature situations. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Yeah, it was very cool. You get me like the goosebumps. It was it was like I was watching everything for the first time again. Yeah. Yeah. So the entire gang has an amazing time flying on Appa while fireworks explode in celebration around them. And I say the, the gang, but it's really the gang minus Toph because Toph does not appreciate the sudden explosions going on around her that she can't <laughs> predict. Yep. And she, I think she gives Sokka a hard time. She's like, you know what it's like? And she just yells, boom, right in his ear. And he's like, yeah. And, you know, they yep. knock it off after a while. <laughs> Aang notices that Zuko seems, well, extra Zuko-esque during the celebration. He's just super broody. It is here that Zuko admits that he visited his father in prison and that he's been meeting to ask his friend the Avatar for a favor. If you ever see me turning into my father, I want you to, I want you to end me. The Fire Lord asks his friend, the Avatar. I, I will say this. I kept on writing the prince and I had to delete it because he's the Fire Lord at this point. I'm just so used to writing it. Oh, true. For over a year. Yeah. Aang is stunned at the request. He hesitates for a moment and then looks to Katara for guidance. She sternly nods her head and Aang lowers his and agrees. Mm. What a tough thing to ask and accept. Yeah, especially after going through everything that he did leading up to Sozin's Comet and having to face the Fire Lord. He agonized over the decision Mm -hmm. between killing or not killing Ozai. And then here, it isn't like a a villain. It's his friend. His friend Zuko, who's asking him, hey, if I ever get as bad as my dad, please off me. That's tough in general. But with Aang's upbringing, that's kind of impossible. Yeah, I like it. When I read this page, it didn't sit super well with me. Like you just brought up, he had a hard time trying to kill a villain, an actual person who he like demonized in his own head. And I think as, I mean, as did I, I was, there's no two dimensions to, to Ozai for me anyways. He's just the one bad guy. So the fact that he was able to just agree, I was like, he's agreeing and hoping that he never has to act on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're at a high note. You know, they just won the war. Yeah. Everything is peaceful. Everyone's celebrating. So I'm sure Aang just kind of goes along with it because he's like, eh, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is ever going to happen. It'll but okay, fine. so you go. It'll be great. He'll never turn into his father. Easy. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually reading that, that Yang says the promise intends to explore this concept of is it right to murder, which is also a trope that stems from Buddhism, which the Aranomai culture is, of course, pretty much based on. And also he wanted to explore voluntary euthanasia. So would Aang be justified in killing Zuko if the latter asked for such treatment long beforehand? And on top of all of this, Aang's identity as an airbender, where, again, murder cannot be tolerated from his culture, and as the avatar, where murder is justified to keep balance, between all of that is his role as a friend to Zuko. So the conflict between these three separate ideologies is 
something that the promise really dives into and compares and contrasts and brings up a lot of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. We get real deep spoilers. We're getting really deep in this one. Like if, if it wasn't obvious from the first couple pages in this book, it's going to deal with some heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. So be warned. Uh, something on a little lighter note. So this whole fireworks scene, if this kind of feels a little familiar, especially to any of uh, our American listeners, and maybe not just American listeners, but maybe throughout the world, this is kind of meant to represent the partying on graduation night kind of deal. So we've already had mm. like the house party from the beach, right? And we've already had the um, the nightmares and daydreams, final exam nightmares. Like it's kind of like <laughs> continuing this pattern, which is which is kind of cool, and it's something yeah. that feels like relatable and kind of I think grounds the series a bit more, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah, the modern cultural influences exactly. definitely makes it feel relatable. Yeah. So after he agrees, he's like, yeah, sure. I'll kill you if you turn it to your father. No problem. We actually jump a year later and we have Zuko waking up paranoid that someone is trying to kill him in his sleep. While his guards discredit this claim, they are knocked out by an assassin. Surprise! Zuko is right. (laughs) Zuko defends himself against the attacking assassin, eventually managing to defeat her. Zuko removes the mask to find not the face of a stone cold killer, but that of a girl no older than himself. Convince me not to take your life, Zuko tells the young woman. The assassin then informs the Fire Lord that her family has been loyal to the royal family for generations. Zuko lowers his guard when he learns that this is Kori Morishita, the daughter of the mayor of Yudao. Kori claims that her entire life has been ruined by the Harmony Restoration Movement uh, and also that of her father's. Zuko spares her and takes her back to the colony. What a time jump. Yeah. And like right into action too, where it's just Zuko being like, someone try to kill me. I can sense it. My Zuko <laughs> yeah, senses. Which I'm sure the intention behind that was to show us that Zuko might be losing his mind. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. What if Aang will have to like fulfill his promise? But then it turns out, no, he actually did mm-hmm. have his spidey senses going off and there was an assassin in the palace. Yes, indeed. So Corey returns to Yudao and her father rushes to her side, confused and worried about her bound hands. Corey admits that she went to take care of their problem, which leaves her father even more confused. Zuko approaches the father and daughter and informs the mayor that his daughter snuck into his home and tried to kill him. The mayor immediately bows and begs Zuko for his forgiveness. When Zuko tells the mayor that the town should be burned to ashes for this trespass, Corey speaks up and yells that the harmony and restoration movement will accomplish just that without Zuko needing to lift a finger. Zuko corrects the hot-tempered young woman and tells her that the movement is a means to restore peace in the world. Hearing this, the mayor tells the Fire Lord that his family has lived on this land for generations and the city was built on their blood, sweat, and tears. He continues to say that they have just as much of a right to be in Yudao as anyone else and that Ozai would never have let the Avatar bully him into something so obviously bad for his own citizens. Zuko has a flashback to his first confrontation with his father as Fire Lord. Ozai had dodged Zuko's questioning about his mother, instead inviting Zuko to have tea with him in kind of that like, you should bring me tea kind of. It's like he's trying to teach Zuko a lesson with this in a very Iroh manner, (laughs) which I was like, Mm -hmm. it, it like made me, it didn't sit right with me. It made me kind of like wiggle and worm around a little bit. It was uncomfortable. It was yeah. very uncomfortable because he's what Ozai is trying to do in this in this scene, this prison scene, is teach his son how to interrogate prisoners 
through mild mm. suggestions and trying to manipulate Zuko. So he's like, you should play good cop first. Oh, God, yeah. And it has this feeling of threat to it because even though Ozai is powerless in a cell yep. behind bars, yep. he still feels like a cobra yeah. that could strike you. Like we've stripped him of all of his power and influence yep. and he still feels just as dangerous. It's almost like Hannibal Lecter in a cell from Silence of the Lambs. Exactly. Yes. It's very unsettling. You know that he can't get you, but like you don't really know if he can't get you. Mm-hmm. It, yep. It's very well done. Fur being written in a comic form, which is the first real continuation from the animated series, they did a fantastic job with the simplicity of the page layouts in the prison. Mm-hmm. It's, I agree. It's very simple, very straightforward. They let the, the material speak for itself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Ozai dodges the questions and he kind of gives that little like influence on how to, or the, the, the suggestions on how to interrogate at least has, as I read it. And Zuko leaves because he's pretty mad. And Ozai claims that Zuko would return. I'll see you again, Zuko. Don't worry. And I'll be right here. That's kind of the <laughs> attitude he gives off. Zuko, back in the present outside of the, the flashback scene, does not take kindly to the mention of his father in the comparison. He immediately shoves the mirror against a nearby wall and exclaims that he is not his father. Fire Lord Ozai had many faults, but he was never a coward. He was never. A traitor, the mayor tells Zuko, and Zuko's gaze intensifies. I was so afraid Oof. for the mayor. <laughs> I was like, don't say this. Yep. <laughs> don't tell this to and him. He has anger problems. Come on. Yep. That was a very dangerous thing to say to Zuko mm-hmm. after the journey that he's been on yeah, yeah. with his family and his honor. Mm-hmm. That was something I had to think about too for a little bit because. Hearing someone call Zuko a traitor really like jarred me. I was yeah. like, people could actually think that Zuko is a traitor to his country. And then I thought about it a little bit. And I think they see him as a traitor because of their livelihoods, I guess. Kind of like a, it, it, he's also pulling like a young man type of thing on Zuko. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he definitely is. Yeah. Like for shame, young man, you should know better. Respect your elders. Yeah, I, I for sure got that vibe as well. So that's a great call. I, I was feeling that, but I wasn't like, I couldn't verbalize that. But yeah, it's like, your father would never do such a thing in my day. That kind of like, you yeah, know, I don't think the exactly. mayor sounds like that, but that's kind of the, the vibe he was giving off. Mm-hmm. And also think about it from their perspective as well. Like they're in this thriving state, this, this city, right? And Zuko's looking to kind of like break that up. So I kind of read this as the mayor is very far removed from current events. Not quite Earth King Kuai Mm -hmm. removed, but like pretty removed. So it would only be natural that a lot of that brainwashing, for lack of a better term, that happens in the Fire Nation, especially through the 100 year war, kind of sticks with the mayor. Yeah, it's a good reminder that while we've traveled very closely with the main cast of the show through everything that they went through to end the war, there are so many colonies and groups of people around the world that didn't have that exposure. And they probably received news and word weeks after it happens sometimes. So this is a very, it comes across as a very insulated colony, yeah. Dao is. Yeah. Off the coast of the Fire Nation, Aang is consoling Mayor Nishi about returning to the Fire Nation. So he's already bringing people back and forth, right? He's ferrying people from the colonies to back home, essentially, back to the Fire Nation. He claims that life will be better and that things are different in the Fire Nation now. When they land, an army officer orders that the cargo ship be reloaded and that all the colonials return to the Earth Kingdom 
as Zuko has withdrawn his support of the Harmony Restoration Movement. The group is stunned at this news. Yeah, that's that's not the greatest way to receive word of a major change like that. Yeah. And it also kind of makes Aang look like an idiot. Yeah. Which is not yeah. great. Like, this is the not almighty great. powerful avatar, and he doesn't even know what he's doing. He's mm-hmm. not up to date on things. Oh, Zuko, what are you doing? Well, everyone's chewing on that for a little bit. We are going to see quite possibly the best academy in the whole of the whole of the Avatar The Last Airbender series. And that is yeah. the Beifong Metal Bending Academy. This is our first look at it ever. <laughs> Yep. I love it. So we have top students looking out of the window and they notice that this crisis is brewing in Yudao. Toph tells them to get back to their lessons, but the lily livers tell their master that something bad seems to be happening in town. Toph takes a moment to listen and notices that something is happening in Yudao. But then she hears Appa flying overhead and it's basically like, okay, guys, bye. I gotta go see my real friends now. See you later. <laughs> By the way, practice your forms or I'm going to beat you up when I come back. Okay, bye. That's what she does. That's basically <laughs> it. Basically. Toph then uses earthbending to leap onto Appa, where she is told about the events unfolding in town and Zuko's change of heart. Toph then mentions that it seems like Zuko is beginning to act like Ozai. But Sokka notes that they do not know this yet for sure. Uh-oh. Yeah. I want to point out that Toph just launches herself in the air without being able to see where Appa is. Mm-hmm. I noticed that too. <laughs> and you know what I thought of? Smell. I thought of the desert where she had to launch boulders into the air at the Hornet Wasps. Oh, and yeah. And it took her a little bit. Yeah. And then she started, you know, being able to hit them. So I kind of feel like that's a, a learned skill from their journey. I agree. But it's a big risk launching yourself versus boulders. Because you don't it even, is. She doesn't yeah. even know if Appa sees her or if any of Team Avatar sees her. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I'm going to also, I'm going to, okay, I'll take a step back and I'll assume that she knows how to land safely from such a maneuver. Yeah, because I think... If anything, if she misses for some reason, I feel like she'd be able to sense the ground as she's coming closer to it yeah. and be able to like launch a pillar up yeah. to catch her. Make a, yeah. a, a slide of some kind or a shoot. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Aang meditates and calls on Roku for help, as he always does. Roku apologizes to Aang that he must continue to deal with the consequences of his own indecisiveness. And Aang regrets making that promise to his friend. After all, the Avatar could not bring himself to kill Ozai, and he was, quote-unquote, evil all the way through, as Aang describes him. How is he supposed to kill his own firebending teacher, his own friend? Aang wonders what kind of person that would make him. A person who keeps his promises, Roku tells the young airbender. Zuko was in his clearest moment when he asked you for that promise. He knew what was at stake. Avatar Roku then admits that he regrets never ending Fire Lord Sozin when he had the opportunity, even though the two were like brothers. Aang still hesitates a bit, but tells Roku that he will go to Yudao, find Zuko, and they will sit down and talk. Roku offers his life lesson once again to the Avatar. Be decisive. A promise is a promise. You know, I get where Roku's coming from, but I also feel like he's he's a little black and white. He's very black and white. He's also on loop this whole time. He's just a broken <laughs> yeah, record. It's the same advice. Be decisive. <laughs> Be decisive. Okay, what else? What other pearls you got for me? Uh-huh. <laughs> Make decisions. Okay, thanks, Roku. I got it from here. Thanks. Great. Great talk. Good talk. Good, good calling on you, pal. Yep. The group arrives at Yudao and lands next to a less than peaceful protest outside the walls of the city. 
Kataro recognizes Smellerby and Sokka misgenders her, which I thought was a writing error at first because he was like, oh yeah, he he's over there. And I was like, Smellerby's a girl. We went over this. We had this all, but he wasn't there for that. I don't think. Anyways. Yeah. Sokka does the, yeah, that's what I said. She, and they move on pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Smellerby and Longshot, who is also there, turns around to see Aang and Smellerby announces the arrival of the Avatar to the crowd. When Aang tells the Freedom Fighter that he is just here to talk to Zuko, she is enraged and tells him that the time for talking was over as soon as the Fire Lord broke with the Harmony Restoration Movement. Also, Aang is not getting into the city as it's very heavily guarded. Sneers, who we have not seen since like book Mm -hmm. one. I forgot Sneers existed, not gonna lie. I had to like do a quick Google search for Sneers and make sure this wasn't a character that I missed somehow. It was Mm -hmm. just from the old Freedom Fighter days. So Sneers offers to break open a new gate for the gang, but Aang tells him that the gesture would not be necessary and they will find a way in. Aang asks if his quote-unquote sweetie is ready and Katara tells her sweetie that she is and Sokka and Toph get the oogies as Aang and Katara fly over the wall of Yudao. <laughs> yep. I I feel like it's necessary to point out or to say that it did take Yang some time and thought to choose the pet name sweetie for Aang and Katara. Yeah. I think for all intents and purposes, it's it's a good one. It's, it's great. a good kind of like, you know, culturally neutral type of pet name. However, it is used a lot. It's like almost every page yeah. that we see Aang and Katara, one of them is calling the other sweetie. I glossed over it a lot because it gave me the oogies, which I think is what <laughs> what was going for, what Yang was going for in this was like the perfect word. It's pretty, like you said, it's it's pretty like neutral culturally, but it get, it's just mm-hmm. like, ugh. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. Get yeah. that out of here. <laughs> oh, here's here's something cool that I read. This yeah. got me really excited. So Yang originally included Jet as a protester alongside Smellerby, Longshot, and Sneers, having believed that the character's supposed death to have been ambiguous enough for him to still be alive. However, this draft idea was scrapped when Yang was informed that Jet is in fact dead. Oh, well, that settles that. We even had that conversation. We, did. we were like, is he dead though? I mean, yeah, he, could have, he, could he could have survived. Nope. Officially nope. dead. It's canon. Sorry, everyone. Oh, sad. Yeah, I know. It took me, I got excited about that and I was like, oh, jet trivia. Oh, jet trivia. Uh-huh. That was my emotional roller coaster right there. As soon as the happy couple lands, they find themselves face to face with Fire Nation forces. They are told quite forcefully to leave, but Ang calmly tells the angry man in front of them, that all they want to do is talk to Zuko. The man, I'm going to say man, because I don't know if this is a lieutenant or, or a sergeant mm-hmm. or what. They didn't really, this guy doesn't even have a name. But he attacks Aang, who manages to avoid the firebending attacks and uses earthbending to incapacitate him. The other soldiers jump in and attack after being ordered to, but the Avatar is able to defeat them with the help of Katara, of course. And I say with the help of Katara, but she like takes down like four or five of them as quickly, if not faster, than Aang is able to take down a single one. Mm-hmm. So we get like that this awesome like panned out shot of one guy being incapacitated by earthbending. Another guy is just down defeated. And there's like five guys around the page that are just pinned and like frozen and just water bending. I've been defeated by waterbending. It was, it was kind yep. of funny. I liked it a lot. It's great. When the last soldier tries to ambush the sweeties, I'm going to say it like that from now on for the rest of my life, sweeties, <laughs> 
Katara tries to attack with ice shards, but is stopped by Zuko, who neutralizes the move by holding her arms still. Katara demands that Zuko let her go as he is hurting her, and Zuko tries to reason with the sweeties and tells them <laughs> that they are hurting his soldiers. Aang doesn't want to hear any of this and knocks Zuko back with airbending because Aang is really kind of, he's almost in this like weird panic kind of state where he's like, Zuko's hurting Katara. I've got to save Katara very quickly. So he just kind of like lashes. Aang tells Zuko that they came here to talk to him as a friend, but the Fire Lord has changed. According to Aang, Zuko has forgotten what they fought for last year. Aang enters the Avatar state and declares that a promise is a promise. Zuko's eyes widen. Fortunately for Zuko, Katara calms down Aang as Katara does. So Aang doesn't obliterate Zuko. Doesn't turn him to ashes. He just gets to live. Mm -hmm. Aang is immediately ashamed of his actions. And Zuko notes that they both need to calm down and talk, which is exactly what Aang has been saying this whole damn time. <laughs> yep. And Aang is quite annoyed at that as well. Zuko gives the couple a tour of Yudao making sure to point out how integrated the lives of the Fire Nation and Earth Kingdom citizens have become. Aang points out that there is still an unequal hierarchy of wealth, and Zuko admits that, you know, it's not perfect, but it's still better than it was 100 years ago. Aang tells Zuko that this is all well and good, but betraying the movement is going to start another war. This is when Zuko admits that when he first came to Yudao, he was personally going to enforce the movement. But then he learned about Cory and her family. It turns out the mayor, who is of the Fire Nation, married an earthbender, which that ability carried over to Cory. So Cory, while having a lot of the physical traits, I'll call them, like she looks like a Fire Nation citizen, mm -hmm. she's an earthbender. So she earthbends her shackles right off, which surprises everyone who didn't know she was an earthbender. Cory's mother kindly asks Zuko to spend a few days in Yudao to which he agrees. It is during this time that Zuko noticed the balance of life in the city and how this movement would shatter the lives of his people. Zuko tells Aang that it would be disrespectful to rip these people from their homes, homes that they spent generations building, and he won't do it. Aang yells back that harmony requires four separate nations to balance each other out. They can't have balance if one nation occupies another. Katara sees Cory and her parents and wonders if an exception can be made for Yu Dao. Zuko likes this idea and believes that exceptions should be made for all of the remaining colonies. Because if you give a mouse a cookie, they're going to want a glass of milk. <laughs> uh -huh. Most of the colonies are even older than Aang. Aang believes that this would make peace impossible. Katara tells the boys that regardless of any discussion today, the Earth King also needs to be a part of whatever happens next. Aang and Katara will arrange a meeting and Zuko agrees to attend. Oh boy, there's a lot to talk about here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. First of all, I really, really enjoyed the way that they portrayed the blending of cultures here. Me too. And when you think about it, like after a hundred years of division and occupation, few people would think this was an outcome unless they actually see it for themselves. So the fact that they went in there thinking that there were still very clear divides between the Fire Nation and the Earth Kingdom, but then seeing how they came together, like, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. There's also some pretty good foreshadowing to Korra, because what I remember in uh -huh. Korra is there was quite a bit of, like, mixed families, I guess, for lack of a better term. So even Tenzin, right? Tenzin is the son of a waterbender and an airbender. 
So we have mm-hmm. a lot of that. Like a lot of culture gets mixed together. And this is like our first taste of it, canonically speaking. Yep, exactly. Which is also very realistic because this happens all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout throughout history. And I really just I just like how they're portraying this. I like that they are portraying this. They didn't have to, but like you said, it's a realistic outcome of what would happen. And there is no right or wrong in here. Yeah. Roku would be completely out of his element. He would just say, decide, 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 decide and just be broken. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's a really important distinction to make because while Aang is getting advice from his past lives, including Roku. He points out later, they lived in a very different time Mm -hmm. and things are different. We're experiencing progress. We're moving on. Things are changing. And change is what we're reacting to, not trying to keep the world the same. But right now, Aang is still seeing the world the way it was taught to him with four distinct nations because distinction brings balance. So he's currently not able to wrap his head around the fact that the lines are starting to blur. And it's not four distinct nations anymore. We're starting to get the in-between nations that are a combination of more than one. Yeah. And he also, like you said, has that very old school kind of way of thinking about balance. Like for him, balance Mm -hmm. is of the elements, not of the people. Yep. And that's that's very, very different. Exactly. I got very excited when they introduced this because... It showed that while the show, the animated series was maturing itself, this is like a large leap into maturity for subject matters for Avatar. And they're mm-hmm. they're not sugarcoating it. They're not, they're just saying this is what it is. Yep. It's amazing. Starting to top tier writing. <laughs> yes, it is top tier writing. And that's I think what makes it feel so nostalgically like the Avatar The Last Airbender mm. animated show, because it's dealing with these really, really big concepts, just like the show did. It's not just fun and games in comic form fun little adventures. It's like actual serious topics about the changing world that is going to lead directly into Korra, which Mm -hmm. I have many things to say about in The Promise Part 2, because I love the way that they're setting all this up. But I also want to talk about some fun facts about this section of the comic and Yudao itself. Yes. Because I I read that on page 60, for me, but page 62 in the library edition, if that's the one that you were reading, every Chinese character on that page in the street scene, when they're walking down the street of Yudao and uh, Zuko's talking to them, that was contributed by Yang's mother, who had told him in his youth to develop his Chinese signage, lest he regret it later. So I thought that was a fun fact that Yang got his mom to write all of the Chinese characters. And it was kind of like a I told you so moment Mm. because he had to get her help because he didn't learn his Chinese calligraphy well <laughs> enough to do it himself. So he did kind of regret it later, but yeah. it was also a nice way for his mom to contribute. It's also kind of reminiscent of what's going on in Yudao too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That whole blending of cultures and some stuff gets lost while others are a little more prominent. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And Yudao itself, I read, was heavily based on a city in China that was a German colony from 1898 to 1918 called Qingdao. Wow. Interesting. So again, with the whole history concept, I love how the makers of this show and these comics take so much inspiration from real life. Yeah. So in this case, Yudao was based on a city that was actually a German colony. So the things that are happening in Yudao were pulled from history. Like I was saying, like this stuff happens in the real in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's what's given us that whole like, ooh, the animated series kind of like tingles, right? It's it's all mm-hmm. these details. 
I'm so excited for the comics now. I, I now I thought I kind of understood why everyone was, was excited about the comics in the first three episodes that we did for comics, but this has cemented it for me. Oh yeah, cannot. This wait. convinced me. Yeah. So while all this is going on, and you know, Ang and Katara are inside Yudao, Sokka and Toph they were outside of the walls with the protesters. Sokka suggests that the group calm down and is hit by a small rock almost immediately. <laughs> Toph raises herself into the air on an earth column and basically just silences everyone because she's super powerful and impressive and no one saw that coming. Sokka then does his Sokka thing and kind of chimes in and says, yeah, it's a good thing you guys piped down. Otherwise, I would have had to use Boomerang on you. And he pulls out Boomerang, which he somehow got back <gasps> after the finale, which I have mixed, I have very mixed feelings about. Because yeah. I still like my story of like he loses Boomerang and it comes back to him on his grave. I still want that to be a thing. Oh, but it's that's ruined. Right. But I guess I should be happy that Boomerang came back because Boomerang always comes back. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and you don't know that reference, that is from our Avatar episode about the new Avatar Studios content. Oh, that's what right. we'd like to see. Yeah. So you can find that on YouTube, on our YouTube page which is youtube.com slash avatar the podcast. Yes. Yes. So he kind of threatens them all like, I would have had to unleash boomerang on you. And one of the protesters mocks boomerang, which was a mistake because he gets Oof. knocked out by the loyal weapon very quickly. There are so many moments in this comic where it's like, do you want me to show you hands? Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Don't tempt boomerang. <laughs> boomerang doesn't play around. So Aang and Katara fly back over the wall and Aang explains the situation to Sokka, Toph, and Smellerby. Smellerby is angry that Zuko is not leaving and gives Aang an ultimatum. She tells the Avatar that she will lead the Freedom Fighters in a revolt if the Fire Nation has not left within four days. The gang takes off to the sky and Toph doesn't really understand what's going on and why they need to talk to Earth King Kuai. Aang thanks Katara for helping him out of the Avatar state earlier. Katara accepts his thanks by hugging him, which gives Sokka the Oogies again. Katara loses her temper and yells that she is sick of hearing about the Oogies and she doesn't even know what it means. Toph is able to help with this problem and explain the concept to Katara by taking her hand and licking it with the most slobbery tongue she can muster. It is like, oh, it's like comic book fans. It's like venom level of slobber. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah, which is so well done because it gave me the oogies. Yeah. And so Katara is immediately grossed out and yells, Oogie, which you can like, they do like this big pan out. You can see Appa off in the distance and Oogie is about as big as Appa is in the panel. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Fire Nation capital, Zuko returns to his palace where May awaits. May is mad at Zuko because she didn't know he had left and had to find out from one of the official notices that were posted around the Capitol, which is the second time Zuko's done something like this to May, if mm. anyone's keeping track here, which is the first time being when Zuko kind of renounces the Fire Nation, obviously, and goes off and, you know, runs off into the night, leaving only a note. Zuko realizes his mistake again and apologizes. May then tries to console him and even points out how tired he looks from a lack of sleep. She then tells Zuko that his guards are incompetent idiots and she has asked the Kyoshi warriors to take over guard duty, which still includes Tai Lee because mm -hmm. she's a Kyoshi warrior if you forgot. I love it. Love it. The one thing I really like about that too, I want to make a quick note, is they don't tell you which one is Tai Lee. Like they don't be like, hi, I'm Tai Lee over here. You just have to know from being a fan, which is great. Mm -hmm. 
You recognize her. Yeah, yep. exactly. And the same thing with with Suki is you just know what she looks like in the, the uh, garb, the whole the makeup and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. That night, Zuko wakes up again. When he checks outside, Suki and Tai Lee claim that nothing is wrong. Zuko tells Suki and Tai Lee that he is leaving to get a drink of water and lets them know that he doesn't need them to follow. Instead, sneaky Zuko sneaks off with tea in hand to talk to his father. I need your advice, father, Zuko says through his teeth as Ozai grins, feeling the warmth of the tea against his face. The end. Ugh, Zuko! I got so uncomfortable with that scene. It was, again, so well done because Zuko is just fighting away his pride to be here because he needs uh -huh. to know how his father kept this balance, which I think he kind of knows. And the balance was everything just stays put. And that's what it yeah. is. And Ozai, oh, we just see like from the nose down with the cup of tea. And it's just this Joker-esque grin, which is probably because he's voiced by Mark Hamill, which is why I thought about that. But <laughs> oh, it was just so cool. And I just I, I can't wait to read more about that conversation because it can't it's not going to be good for Zuko. He's going to get manipulated. Nope. It's just, yep. Come on. Come on. Anyways, back to our old little format here that we love so much. Acorn, I got to know, who is the MVP? of this issue for you? Man, that's a tough question, I think. But if we go by our tried and true definition of what an MVP is, mm -hmm. it is the person that drives the story forward, who makes the biggest impact. And by the definition, I might have to go with Corey. Okay. Because it was her actions that brought Zuko's attention to Yudao and her family is what got him to change his mind about the Harmony Restoration Movement which is the catalyst for all of this that's about to come from the Promise trilogy. Mm. Now, with that being said, I have like mixed feelings about Corey. I think she is like a very headstrong character and that's kind of all that she is as a character, which I would have liked to see more nuance, which we kind of get in book two. But yeah. for the MVP, I think, I think it'd be her. Okay. I did not see that coming. What about you? For me, I think it's Zuko, if I'm being honest with myself. I really admire his ability to grow and take in the opinions and quarrels of his citizens and adapt to it and learn and almost like go with the flow, like almost like a waterbender or an airbender. Like he's very agile in that way as a leader. And even going to his father for advice, my opinion, terrible move, should have just gone to Iroh. <laughs> but he was able to kind of put his pride aside for the first time almost ever, really, if you think about it. Like even in the main series, the animated series, when he joined Team Avatar, he didn't have to like swallow his pride to do it. It was awkward for sure, but he wasn't like conflicted. He's like, this is what I do next. He's conflicted about getting the opinions of his father, but he knows he has to do it. He knows he has to find the right resource for this, which just so happens to be an egomaniacal piece of duty, in my opinion. <laughs> yep. Zuko was very, very closely my second choice, and I kind of struggled with it. So I'm glad that we have both. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think moral of the MVP, um, I'm, I know I'm confusing everyone and like merging things here, but I think that like he grew a lot over the past mm -hmm. year that we didn't really see. And that shows, and I'm very excited for more Zuko now. He, I think he's getting out of his Linkin Park phase. I know it was never a phase, but still, it's a <laughs> lifestyle. But I think we're going to uh -huh. get a more mature Zuko going forward, which I am very much, very, very much looking forward to. So, yeah. mm -hmm. Me too. 
Moral of the issue, because they're not episodes. They're not even really issues. I know. Don't nitpick me on this, but it's just snappier <laughs> to say moral of the issue instead of saying moral of the collection. But or moral of the comic? Moral I don't of the comic. But then the comic is like, it's all the comic. Anyways, what moral did you pull out of The Promise Part One? Hmm, good question. Okay, this might be kind of a weird stretch. Maybe you can help me come up with better words for it. But I felt like the moral of this issue, this comic is don't shy away from experience because experience is what leads to wisdom and the ability to make stronger decisions in the future. I like that. I cannot improve upon that at all. So, okay, (laughs) that's perfect. That's very well. Yeah. Uh, For me, I think the moral I pulled out of this is, and I think we've said this for an episode, but it's really reinforced here and I can't not say it. Life isn't black and white. Mm, There's mm -hmm. a lot of gray in there. And that's what this is telling us. There's no right or wrong. Or sometimes the right is wrong and the wrong is right, depending on your point of view. Yep. So we're in this mess here. There is no black and white. There is only gray. You know, I love that one because the older I get, the more I see that in the world. There really is no black and white. It's literally just each individual experience Mm -hmm. and how that impacts the greater world around you. That's right. So that's it. That is the promise part one. Wow. What a great start. Oh, Oh, I'm so invested now. I know. I really know. And it's it's one of those things where because we're reading from the collected version. So like I went through, I read 200 pages and I was like, oh, wait, I've gone too far. I've got to yeah, same. <laughs> Let's go back. So again, as a friendly reminder, we are on an every other week schedule. So there will not be an episode next week. But the week after that, you will find The Promise Part 2. It'll give you time to read it too. Yeah. And that's also the good thing about this, right? It's, it might take some people a little extra time to read than sit down and watch a 23, 24 minute episode. So we all get a little bit of a breather. No rush. You can always listen to us, you know, as soon as you finish it, we're going to keep on trucking along. And until the next episode, and you're caught up on everything and all the YouTubes and everything like that, you can find me over at twitch.tv slash Booster Greg on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, sometimes Thursdays. I'm sprinkling Thursdays in there now. Mm, spicy. It's very spicy. It's that the jalapeno Thursdays is what that is. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. That's weird. Talk, talky Thursday. Talky Thursdays. That's what it is. <laughs> But yeah, come hang out. Come on down. It's a great time. We've got so many people who have joined us from the Avatar the Podcast community. And we just have a great and solid time. So I look forward to seeing you all. Mm-hmm. You can also find me on Twitter at Booster Greg and my very dead Instagram, which every once in a while I get a notification that's like, hey, you got a new follower. And I'm like, hey, I appreciate it. There's nothing new here. It's just pictures of my dogs. If you like dogs, go to my Instagram. <laughs> and you can find uh-huh. me on TikTok as well. I think that's everything. Yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah. yeah. When in doubt, Google Booster Greg. Yeah. And it's me. I will be there waiting. <laughs> and you can find me online at Acorn Bandit. Also, all the places. My Instagram is also pretty dead. So if you're looking at it around this time, I haven't updated it in a while. Maybe that'll change in the future. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Acorn Bandit. Uh, you can also find me over on joysons.com, which is my website where I list the enamel pins that we've created. I, I say we because Greg is the newest addition to the design team. Hey. Because we've made official Avatar the Podcast pins. That's right. And to help you get there, it is spelled J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com. Don't forget the S. I'm also part of the marketing team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming up next time. The Promise Part 2. That's right. And I can't wait. I can't wait. wait. Okay, sorry. 
and contain my excitement so we can do this last bit. All this and more next time on Avatar, Avatar the, the Podcast. podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 